Parshas Lech Lecha. Let's do it. Woo! Okay. Now, here we are. Okay, I said you have on the bookshelf. Okay, so here we are. It's Parshas Lech Lecha. It's chapter 12. We're still at the little numbers of the books, whatever pages you're at. Whichever book you have. Here's gracious. 55 in the blue ones. You have another page. You have another page. Okay? Beseder. Beseder. So I was sitting next to Hannah, yes, last week when she was getting her name. And I was like, woo! And I was, and I was saying, like, we really need to start this Parsha last week. The end of last week's Parsha. There's a lot of stuff going on here. There's a lot of stuff that we need to discuss. So I realized we can't even go back because we're not going to have time to finish the stuff that's in our Parsha over here. Okay? Um, Lila, you're way, like, what? How, how far? Oh, you're trying to find the beginning of it? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I think she said 50. Five. Oh, 55. Okay. The Seder? Um, okay, so here we are. So first of all, the Chumash, all five books, there are 54 Torah portions. Of those 54 Torah portions, two Torah portions, and also 11 chapters, however you want to count it, deal with the world at large. And the rest of them, the other 52 Torah portions, are going to deal with this, the, the rest of this book is going to deal with the, the patriarchs. It's going to deal with, then we're going to get to the, the, the 12 tribes. We're going to have the Jewish people, Moses, blah, blah, blah. It's going to become much more narrow. The book is going to be much more narrow as we get closer. Um, so here we are. We're starting our first introduction to the first Jew. Um, so we're going to get to that in a second. I want to just say one thing, and that the Altarabbas says that this is the first truly joyous week. Because in Bereshis, we start with creation, and that's amazing, and that's wonderful. And at the end of Bereshis, things go a little, uh, eh, a little, eh. And then Noah starts with the flood, which is, eh, but then it ends with the birth of Avraham. But this week, every single day, we're, work, we're walking with Avraham. And I want to just put a little plug there in our heads. Like, okay, these aren't the same streets because they've been paved multiple times and time and all that kind of thing. But like, hello, this, we're here. Like, this is where the stories happen. This is where all these things took place. And we're going to try to make an effort to see some of the places that, that uh, Avram walked in and lived in um, over the course of the next couple of weeks. But it's kind of extra special when we, we think about it. Like, oh, this is not... Once upon a time, long ago and far away, it's actually right here, right, you know, kind of right now. So, so we're starting Parsha Slech Lecha. I want to start with one more preface. And the Gemara says that Maisa Ovis Simen Lebanim, and I do not know how to say that in Sephardit. Okay? I'm sorry. It's like straight out Ashkenazis. I don't know how to pronounce that in like something that you might actually understand. Maase Avot Simen Lebanim. That the actions of their forefathers are a sign for the children. And, um, and one of the things that the, that, the, that the Torah teaches us is that a lot of the things that we're taught about and that the stories that, that Hashem chooses to include in the Torah are things that are going to be pivotal for us and necessary for us to learn. They're gonna somehow be signposts for us, for our behavior. And we're gonna to get to see a couple of that, a couple of those going on in this Torah portion. Ma'aseh avot siman lebanim, in Hebrew and English. That the, the behavior, the actions of the forefathers are like a sign for the children and or a signpost, however you want to translate it. Okay, I really want to spend some time at the beginning of the Parsha, but before we do that, we're going to just sort of scoot through and see what else is going to happen. No, 
we're going to do this normally. We're going to start at the beginning, and then we'll see how far we get. Okay. Hopefully, we get further than we than we than we get, but it's always an issue. Okay. So, chapter twelve, we're going to look at it in the Hebrew because it's going to be very significant for us. We'll also look at it in the English. Um, uh, so, here we have. First of all, this is our first time meeting Avram. Okay, he is not yet Avraham. That is going to happen at the end of our Torah portion. If anybody had a chance to look at the Parsha? Yay! Yay! Okay, so we know that that's going to happen later on. It's like the sixth Aliyah, so that's only tomorrow's Chumash, where he's going to get a name change. Sarai is going to get her name changed in the seventh Aliyah. And also, spoiler, to the end of the Parsha is when Avram and Yishmael are going to have, they're going to be circumcised, so that's the end of the Parsha, but that's what's going on. So here we get a chance, we meet Avram, and um, it says, it says, Hashem says to Avram, Lech lecha, me'artzacha, u'mimoladetecha, me'bet avicha, el ha'artz ha'shareka, that you should leave your... Um, your land. Your land, then your... Relatives. Your, 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 your father's house, and then your... Sorry, leave your land, your birthplace, your father's home, and go to the land that I will show you. Okay. Um, and I will make you into a great, no, a great nation and I will bless you I will make your name great and you will be a blessing which Rashi says you will be the source of blessing Hashem is giving blessings the power to bless into the hands of Abraham okay and I, those who bless you I will bless and those who curse you I will curse and the everybody will be all the families of the land will be blessed through you so Vayelach Avram Kasher Diber Hashem Avram, Avram goes as Hashem commanded him. He takes with him. Who does he take with him? Sorry. Look inside. Pasuk Dalit, verse 4. Lot. He takes Lot. Okay, he takes Lot with him. Okay, and then the Torah tells us, Avram ben shanim shana How old is he when he leaves Haran? He's 75 years old. Okay, Avram is 75 years old. It also tells us in the next Pasuk, Vayikach Avram et... Who else does he take with him? Sarai. Sarai, his wife. And then again it repeats Lot, who's the, his nephew. And it ta- talks about he takes his possessions that they got while they were in Haran and the souls that they made in Haran. And they start going towards Arza Canaan, Vayavo Arza Canaan. Now, Hashem never tells them to go towards the land of Canaan. Hashem's like, go and, you know. Figure it out yourself. And figure it out yourself. And so, so a, a couple of things that I want to talk about um, like in this, this thing, because it's such an important thing. It's like really, it's Hashem's first call to a Jew, and if that's that, that's us. Hashem's calling to us, and Hashem's speaking to us. And the first thing that Hashem is telling us, and if you've already heard the, if you already heard this, and I need somebody to still listen, so I can keep doing other things. What does Hashem tell us? What's the first thing that Hashem is telling us? Be uncomfortable. Be uncomfortable. Be uncomfortable. And if you look at the way the Pasuk is worded, it actually goes backwards, right? It tells you to leave your, it leaves your country, your father, uh, your, fa- your country, your birthplace, and your father's home, right? It's working backwards over there, which we're going to discuss in a second. But I want to pause this for a second. Does anybody know what Avraham, Avraham, Avram has done till now? He smashed the idols. What else did he do? Married his wife. Married his wife. He didn't want to bow down to Nimrod. What else did he do? What other Avram stories? Like famous Avram stories. He went to Mitzrayim and like had the... Got thrown in the furnace. Not yet. 
Not yet, but yes, he got thrown into a furnace. Wait, so when they're all listing that part, they're going, like, they're backtracking. They're backtracking. I mean, he's 75 years old. What happened to him? By the time you're 75 years old, you've lived a life, okay? He's been imprisoned twice. He was hidden from Nimrod. He was thrown into a furnace. He, all this kind of stuff is, that's going on. And he also, one of the things that the, that the Medrash tells us is that he, on his own, discovered God. Mm-hmm. In, a, in a pagan society... He said, this can't possibly be the whole story. And yet, the Torah doesn't give us any of that story. The only place we have a little bit of a hint of that story is last week's Parsha, last week's Torah portion, where it tells us that that Terah had these children and Haran died. So Rashi brings over there that when Avram was thrown into the fiery furnace, which we never use in context of anything except, like, where to use a fiery furnace. Wait, is that one of his first... Um, what test? It depends how you count the tests. Okay. Depends how you count the tests. How how do we know that it happened? He, he, he went through all of this. So the Medrash talks about it in, in the oral tradition. We have all of this stuff, um, but um, so Rashi brings Rashi bring that at that time when 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 Avram was being tested by Nimrod, are you with God or are you with me? Um, so Haran sort of hedged his bets. So Rashi brings it last week's Torah portion. We don't hear any of this in context of Avram. We hear this in context of his brother, where his brother's like, if he comes out alive, I'm on his team, and if he doesn't, I'm going to go on the other team. And then when Avram comes out alive, he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm on the team, and he goes in and he dies, right? So we don't hear about that, any of those things. And one of the things that, the, that all the commentaries talk about, Hasidus talks about at great, great length, that the things that we do out of our own volition are amazing. And they're wonderful. And you're willing to lay down your life for something that you really truly believe in, but that doesn't make you a Jew. The place of a Jew is when Hashem calls to you and says, be uncomfortable, do something different, and you respond to that place. That's the first place of being the Jew. Me, there's lots of people who die for their beliefs, and lots of people who, who well, probably not happening so much today, but like if you go back a you know, a century or so, like that was pretty common for people who believed something fiercely and they were willing to die for their beliefs. It's, it's weird, I'm gonna say thank God that that isn't really such our reality, like things are, it's easier for us like that. But, um, but, but the question of can we be uncomfortable is, is I think for us is a much more complicated question. You know, I think it's something that can we say, and what is, what is Hashem, what is Hashem asking Avram. He's saying, leave everything that you know. Leave your culture, leave your desires, leave your habits. And they're not bad habits. We're not talking about, you know, okay, we all have habits we need to ditch and and work on our better habits. That's not what Hashem's saying. Avram at this point has really, he's been a stellar human being and, 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 you know, cheerleader for God. And, and, And Hashem's like, that's all great. But it's a big thing to ask of someone. It's an amazingly big thing to ask of somebody. It's not just a big thing. Because, meaning, when we have bad habits and that we have to change, it's still very hard. And we know they're not even good habits. We know, like, we know that it has to change. It's like, but when somebody's like, but I'm doing the right thing. I'm talking to people about monotheism. I'm talking to people about God. I'm spreading, you know, the word of God around and I'm, an ethical, moral person on helping people, and God's like, step out of my wanting to do it, my place, this is my desire, and he doesn't even say where to go. 
Go to the land that I will show you. That's an even another level. That doesn't make sense in English, but that's like another higher level of discomfort, right? Meaning, if Hashem said to him, "Leave everything," that's the destination, and go. So then, you you know you know how much to pack for the journey. You know how to pace yourself. You know like about what's going to happen. You could sort of you could sort of make some kind of plan. And, you, and, and here's what Hashem's saying, that in the make some kind of plan, that's still you. When can you really find God? When you're like, I'm gonna just follow. I'm, and not even that, by the way. It talks about, um, of course I don't have the. It seems like Abraham's like the best example of like having Bithachon. Yeah, but it's, I want to say something else. And it, it, I can't find the, the, the Pusuk right now because I'm short of time. I don't want, um, I don't want, to, I don't want to stop here for a second. I, but it, there's a place where it talks about that Avram walks, walks in front of God. Yeah. Right? Noah walks with God. Avram walks ahead of God. So here he's being asked to not only follow God, he's asked to forge the path and believe that Hashem is sending him in this direction. And I want to say something. When we have, when we leave that, where I find God as an open-ended sentence, right? Um, it gives us the place to understand that our our um, encounter with God isn't limited to a geographical place. What do you mean by that? If Hashem said to Avraham, leave your birthplace, leave your family's house, leave, your, leave all your habits and your, everything you know and your culture and your everything and go to the land of Canaan, then that means that only in the land of Canaan can we encounter God. But if Hashem says, and go to the place that I will show you, that's open. Wherever we go, whenever we're in the place, that we can leave our comfort zone. And you know, sometimes it's really easy to leave our family home. <laughs> We're like, I don't want that one. I'm gonna move someplace else. And sometimes it's not so easy. And sometimes the culture that we're covering, all those things, it's not necessarily an easy thing, but not but the but the place or the opportunity to have an encounter with God um, has just opened up to us, to any place that we're willing to say, I'm open to the experience. I'm open to not having preconceived notions about what this relationship should look like or how it should be. I mean, okay, here we are post-Sinus. So we do have a certain idea of like what those, you know, what the relationship with God looks like a little bit, but, but I think that we, we sometimes, we can feel this by ourselves. Like there are times, you know, this is the plan, we're sticking to the plan, come hell or high water, and it doesn't matter what's going on, this is the plan, right? And then you have the people who like have no plan and that's a different thing. But then the question is like, this is the general direction that I'm going in, but I'm open to detours. I'm open to seeing, taking the scenic route a little bit, I'm opening to hearing something that's going on and being open to, and that's what Hashem is asking Avram. Hashem is asking him to go and to be open to hear God and to experience God wherever it's going to end up being. Wherever it's going to end up being is where that encounter is going to take place. 
um, it happens to be in Avram's particular case that where did he end up? In the land of Canaan, okay? Um, in the land of Canaan, and, you know, but the same, we could, we, you know, personally can encounter God wherever it is that we open up the space for him, right? And I think that's one of the very beautiful things that you, that we have from the place of Hashem not giving the location. I Meaning it's much harder. If you, it's like, I don't even know how to pace myself. The Medrash says an interesting thing that Avram was, uh, he was traveling from Orkazdan, which is about like Iraq-ish area. So he's coming and he passes through one place where he sees people just drinking and partying and like relaxing. He's like, no, no, no this is not where I want to be. And then he goes to another place and he sees people who are um, just working, 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 working over there. He's like, no, 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 that don't think that's where I want to be. And then he comes and he sees that people that are plowing when they're supposed to plow and they harvest when they're supposed to harvest. Like there's like a ribbon for something. He says, that's, I think that this is my place. I think that this is, this is the place that I'm supposed to be where there is some kind of Seder, there is some kind of, um, there's some kind of, you know, method to the madness of what's going on. I Meaning, we can't be so tied to our five-year plan that we aren't open to taking six months and learning my own. As a random example, right? And we also have to understand that this isn't the end. This isn't where we're supposed to end up. This isn't like we're never leaving. Like I'm just saying, I like to use my own as an example. Whatever. Um, uh, that's that. That's one thing I want to say. The other thing I want to say about this is that the Svasemis, who is one of the Gary Rebbes, says that it is the place of unknowing that we grow in. That when you have, when everything is so clear and laid out, and we know exactly what the expectation is, and we know exactly what we're going to do, it a way in a way it limits us. But when we're in a place of openness, because we don't know, who said that? The Svasemis. Emes, one of the Gareth's, um, uh, that in that place of the unknown is where we have the growth. And I think like if we actually looked at our own lives, there are certain times where something happened that was not part of the plan that we weren't expecting, but we were open to it. And then all of a sudden, it sort of makes us rethink, redirect, and, and, and that's, that's uh, something to think about. And the last thing that I'm going to say because I'm going to tie it to the next thing that we want to go into is that Hasidus talks about that this story of Lechlecha is the story of the soul coming down into the body. That the soul, Avramos in, in Hasidus and Kabbalah, Avramo always represents the soul. That the soul is in an amazing place. An amazing place. It's seated with Hashem. It's a part of Hashem. And Hashem says to the soul, you need to leave that soul. You need to leave heaven. And you need to leave that place. And you need to come to a land that I will show you. You need to be bodied. Because in that body is where you're going to have an incredible, incredible benefit. And you're going to actually be able to make the world a better place and a more godly place. Because the soul up on high isn't an active player. It's in an amazing place. But that isn't the story. And really the story of Avram is going to be the story of the soul's descent into the world and how we sort of make that work and how do we how do we take another step into that okay questions comments oh we'll keep going okay they say there so uh so they go and um so it talks about avram coming it, 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 the torah mentions a few places where he stops um it says like he went to this point to that point he goes 
Tel Shechem, Tel Elon Moreh, different places. And Rashi tells us that he was able to, because he's a tzaddik, and a tzaddik works on a different plane, he was able to see that in the future his children were going to encounter trouble over here, and he was able to pray for them. Like we said, it's the Maseh Avot Simanabanim. If the, the behavior of the fathers is a signpost for the children, so that they're also able to sort of drop spiritual, uh, you know, like... Uh, hints? Not just hope, not just hints. I was thinking, you know, like, um, like, like a cache of... C-H-E, not money, but like, like there's something there that you can now tap into to like, you know, like some, I know, like, I know like the kids talk about when they do the long, when they do long treks, like sometimes they do like, even in Israel, you do like the, the cross Israel thing, you'll sometimes go ahead of time and bury supplies along the way. That's the thing. It's a thing. You say cash, right? Yes. Cash in French is high. Right. Cash. So, so they, so it's like Avram is leading the supply of spiritual energy that's going to help them. We know that in Shechem, we're going to have a story. Joseph is buried, right? Well, Yosef is going to be buried in Shechem. That's going to be way further on. But before that, in the closer future, we're going to have the story of Dina. He's going to get abducted in Shechem, and Shimon later going to come and kill out the city. Like different places where the people were going to need a little bit of extra, like a like a power, like a like a out of game, you know, like an extra life, an extra life, you know, like so he 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 stopped and he sort of put those things in there. Um, and Hashem says to Avram, to your children, I will, in, in verse 7, I'll give it, the, the, your children this land. He makes of his beach, Hashem This is the first time that the Torah is giving us some sense of him having a visual, whatever that means, experience with Hashem. I don't know what that means. Please don't ask me. I have no idea. I don't even know what it means to have God talk to you and not think that you're going crazy, but whatever. Um, okay, so he keeps going and he keeps traveling, Okay. He goes, he keeps, he's coming in from here, he's coming from Iraq, he keeps going down towards Jerusalem, okay? And one of the things that we talk about is haloch, halacha, halicha, lech lecha, all those same root words. A Jew is always in motion. You always need to be in motion, and your motion always needs to be forward. In Avram's case, it was always headed towards Jerusalem. He was always headed, where is, where is my next step? What is my next move? Heading, always heading in that direction. Okay, then we have, I gotta say, there's like, there's some really, I don't know how to say, there's some really crazy stories in Flemish. <laughs> really crazy stories in Flemish, right? Um, so we, the next thing that we have is that he, they finally get to the land of Canaan, and guess what? There's a hunger, there's a famine, localized famine, yes. No, so last night I was reading and I was asked, like I asked them, was this is the first test? Because he gets there, and Shem basically is like, let's see how you like me now, sort of situation of like, okay, so don't you come here? It's for sure not his first test. It's for sure not his first test. Yeah, first test um, thrown in the front. No, but essentially, no, like, it's a pay. Sorry, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I want to just say one thing. There are different, we know that Avram was given 10 tests because it talks about in Pirkei Avot that he was tested with 10 tests and he stood through all of them. He withstood all of them. The question of what are those 10 tests is a much harder conversation. So Maimonides has a count of them. The Pirkei de Rabbi Eliezer, which is a medrash, has a count of them. They have different, they overlap for some and they, and they, and they differ for others. So the, the Pirkei de Rabbi Eliezer talks about him being thrown into the furnace as a test, things that happened beforehand as a test. Rambam starts from Lechlechem. When Hashem tells him to uproot and get uncomfortable, that's where he counts his first test. So the question of which are the tests is a, is a different conversation, 
but I interrupted you. Oh yeah, but essentially, like, based on like the opinion that like we researched, it said that this was one of the tests because he's told go here, and then Hashem was like, hmm, let's see how he feels, and it, like it was basically to see if like Hashem or Avram would like curse God's name after right. like showing up. I do like, shut up, give me some food. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Right. Right. So what happens? So there's a famine. Oh yeah. So there's a famine. He gets there, and then Hashem tells him to go to Mitzrayim. Does Hashem... Um, I thought he went himself yeah, he to Mitzrayim. It, it, it says he went. It doesn't say that Hashem told him to go to Egypt. Oh, he just went. It says that he went to Egypt. Because if Hashem would have told him, go to Egypt, that's the answer to your problems, that wouldn't have been such a, oh. that would have been such a test. It's a big schlep. Like, did he know it was going to be such a journey? Like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And I think, I think that the question of the test of like... At what point do you throw up your hand and say, die? Like, enough, yalla, let's just, like, settle just, down and have, like, a life and have some pita and hummus. And, like, everything's going to be fine. Like, what's with the schlepperai? You know, that's, it, it's a good question. And, and 73 that, years old. If I was 73, I would 75. Wanna, that's even worse. 75. I wouldn't want to so much. So, so I want to say something. First of all... First of all, we could look at Avram and we could say, man lived to 175 years old, so he had, he had some time, okay? I also want to say a more modern situation. My mother-in-law was 75 years old when she picked up and she left Australia and she came to Paris Israel, okay? That is a modern-day Avram Avino, to, to uproot literally everything. You're, you're, all of the things that Avram was asked to leave, she did. So that means it's possible. It's not impossible. And I think that the question that we need to ask ourselves, and we as younger people than 75 years old, even me, um, need to ask ourselves, what is my mindset? Because we could fetch our way through life. Rifka Marga editorializing in here. Okay, take it or leave it. Um, <laughs> we could fetch our way through life and we would do lots of good stuff, but it would be a miserable experience for us and for everybody around us because everything is a fetch and everything is a big deal and everything is, could you believe this? That's one way to get through life. And there's another way to get through life to say it's an opportunity to connect to Hashem. We're connecting to Hashem with whatever it is that we're doing. When we're struggling here, when we're going there, when this is easy, when the bus comes on time, when we have to wait till all the things are opportunities for us to connect to Hashem. And the only thing that makes it a connection or not a connection is how we look at it. That's all it is. I like the concept of Hashem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's hashkacha pratis, but I'm saying besides hashkacha pratis, there's a certain place of how do I look at the situation? What is what is the not the value, but what is the story I'm telling myself about what's happening? That's different than what is actually happening, because what's happening is happening. Now, how do I interpret those events? Do I say, "Whoa, this is an opportunity to"? to connect Hashem, to have Avos Yisrael, to be kind and gracious when I'm grumpy and hungry? Or do I say, oh, and it's true of everything in life. It's true in everything in life. So Avram is, for sure, we're going to go out on a limb here and say, he wasn't catching and saying, I can't believe you're doing this to me again, because then he wouldn't have passed the test. If it says that Avram was given 10 tests, and when we talk about a test, we don't mean something that's hard to do. We talk about something that's impossible to do. That's by definition a test. It's not something like, if, I ha- if you know, studying for the test, you have to give it a little bit more time than you're willing to give. That's not a test. A test is when things are just piling up and making it impossible for him. And one of the things that the Rambam 
if you see when the, the how he counts the tests is essentially anything that that stops Avraham from being able to serve Hashem easily, the Rabbim counts, counts as a test. Because he's on board. Hashem said, go, he's there. He's like, yes, I'm here, I'm with you. And, and I think there's a place that all of us can relate to that. Like, there's a place where, like, I've chosen God. Could it get a little easier now? <laughs> and somehow, that doesn't always happen. So here's our little plug to, 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 to sort of channel some Avraham. Channel a little bit of Avraham and say, it's a chance to interact with Hashem. It's a chance to connect to Hashem. It's a chance to encounter Hashem in a space that is unexpected and unpredicted. And now how am I going to deal with I it? I feel like we all did that, though. We but we always do it. We, we don't do it once. No, like we all did it now. Like we're all here. Like for sure. Talking, for sure. For sure. But but here's the thing, Alicia. There's a point where like I did it, and now let it let it roll. And that goes for a little bit, but it doesn't really work like that. That's not actually how life works. It's not like you 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 know you ace it once, and then for the rest you just coast. Like no, we don't we don't coast. We we're here to be active participants in this world to make this world a holy place, a godly place, to make ourselves holy, godly people. And it's an ongoing process. And we hopefully are passing more than we're failing. <laughs> but it, part, of the, part of the job is that sometimes it goes easier and sometimes it goes less easy. And, and the, the second we throw in the towel and we say, forget about it, then... Then, we, then there's a certain place where like, uh, we need to really reevaluate re- our reaction because is that really what we want to be saying? Is that really what we want to be doing? And, and to be kind to ourselves because we all get a place where we say, I'm done. There's, it's, just, it's just part of the human condition. And then we have to say, I'm not a terrible person. I'm a tired person. I'm a hungry person. I miss my creature comforts. I would love to get into a target and just, re- you know... <laughs> revitalize a little bit. I know that's terrible, whatever, but there's a truth, right? And, and, and I just need to like sort of pull it together and then I can really do it again. And whatever it is that we need, we need to the, to the best of our ability to be able to be kind to ourselves and to acknowledge that we have needs, personal needs that aren't being met right now and that's why we can't react the way we really know we want to react. need is a primark. Whatever, I don't even know what that is. So I can't even, I'll say yes because I'm going to assume like it's, Whatever, right? But we need we need to be able to, as we go through life and as we make choices and as we tr- we're trying, we really are trying to make the right choices and good choices. And the times that it doesn't go as smoothly and as easily as we kind of were counting on for ourselves, to be nice to ourselves. Because there's tomorrow, we'll reset our intentions, we'll reset our goals, and we'll get back on track. Because we know that the places that we kick ourselves and say, can't believe you did that. Can't believe you did that. Like, uh, you fought again. Uh, that's not helpful. Okay? Note to self. In case you think beating yourself up is a helpful way of going through life, it's not true. Okay? There. End of my, end of my rant. Okay? So, Avram has this famine, and, and we're, we're going to say that he passed the test because Perkyovis tells us that he passed, through, he passed all the tests. So he goes, there's, there's a famine, there's no food, and instead of him catching, he's like, Yala, how do we get some food? So he's going to go down to Mitzrayim. Okay? In the line of crazy Bible stories, here we have it. As they get closer to Mitzrayim, what does he say to his wife? You're really attractive. You're really beautiful. And therefore... Be my sister. Say that you're, say say that you're my sister. Why? So that I can save you. So that I could so be saved and things will be sweet because of you. Things will be good for me. I want to just say, that's 
doesn't sound super cool, okay? No matter how you look at it, whatever. Um, so I want to stop on that for a little bit because, because if it's supposed to be a signpost for us, then we have to see how that actually works. And it's going to work if we back up to what we said before, that Avram is the neshama. If Avram is the soul, then what's Sarai? The body. The body. Sarai is the body, okay? And they represent the soul and the body coming down into this place. And they're going to come to Egypt, and Egypt is as low as you can go, okay? It's like a limbo game, right? How low can you go? That's Egypt. And Pharaoh's palace is going to be the lowest place what is the point of the soul coming down to the earth? To elevate. To elevate what and who? Us and the world. Us, the world, and who, who else is going to get a benefit over here? Hashem. Hashem. The neshama. If the neshama comes down to the world, for as long as the neshama comes down, it should be 120 healthy years, right? If the neshama comes down at that time and goes back as good as it came down, well, that was a waste of an effort. That's what you did to the neshama. You took it from under Hashem's, from the, the Hashem's chair. You sent it into a body. You gave it a life. You gave it struggles. And it comes back as it was. It didn't need all of that to come back as it was. The neshama itself benefits from its interactions with the world in a holy way. But the neshama itself can't do anything. Because how does the neshama affect the world? With the body. When the Shama is in a body. So you, it you can affect do, the world. Your Neshama is not just going to affect the world. You're, okay. When the Neshama is by Hashem, it can't do anything, right? We know Neshamas don't do anything. Neshamas in a body can do anything. Now, what's the problem with Neshama in a body? There's, it's limited. It's, a, it's limited, but B, it has this polar opposite force. The Neshama is like, mitzvah, yay! And the Neshama is like, and the body's like, ice cream, right? And we have to sort of pull those forces together in order to make a difference to the world. So can we teach our body that it isn't whoever dies with the most toys wins is the winner of the game? Yes. Look at us. Of course we can. Is it an avoida? Is it an ongoing, lifelong avoida to keep the body and soul in sync? Absolutely. Absolutely. But it absolutely can be done. So when Avram is coming closer to Mitzrayim, he's coming closer to this actualizing this mission that the soul has come down to the earth for, and he's starting to figure out how do I impact the world? He's like, oh my, this is, this is hard. And then the Shama itself is suddenly noticing that the body is beautiful, and the body has other urges, and also the body can make the Neshama more beautiful. And so he says to her, the body, well, Avram and Sarai sounds creepy, but, but it also works. Um, so Avram says to Sarai, he says to Sarai, if you can go into this place, if you can go into the palace and come out okay, we will both be enriched. Not because he's looking for the money, but the point of the neshama coming down is to change the world and for the neshama to get an added benefit. All of a sudden, Neshama just realized, oh, there's a benefit to the Neshama. It's not just, oh, I'm part of Hashem and I'm doing what Hashem wants. I, Neshama, get a benefit by this encounter that we're going to have with physicality. But if I can't do it. Sarah has to, Sarai has to do it. The body has to do it. The body has to go in there and stay so true. And, and so, so Hasidus explains one more, one more wrinkle into the story. 
the body, sorry, the soul and God are analog- analogous, 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 right? Analogous, right? Uh, I can spell it, but I can't pronounce it. Um, to a brother and a sister, because the soul is part of Hashem, right? It's actually part of Hashem. So uh, the Neshama and Hashem are like a body, and a, are, are like a brother and a sister. Brothers and sisters, we might kill each other, but we actually love each other. There's a certain connection that you have to your siblings. It doesn't matter. You can't divorce your siblings, except for one kid in Florida who divorced his parents, but really you can't do that, okay? You, you, your siblings are your siblings. Like, there is a connection. It's very normal. The body and the soul are like a husband and wife. They don't actually intrinsically belong together. But when they do make that commitment to each other, the love that they have is fire. It's like unbelievable, intense, and there's, there's a union that you can't, and thank God, don't have with your siblings, right? You're not meant to have that union with your siblings. You're meant to have that union with your spouse. So now that the, body, the soul is saying to the body, okay, we're going into like enemy territory. And really our connection is husband and wife, body and soul are husband and wife. And we have this intense, intense love for each other. But the flip side of a couple is that it's unpredictable. It's not steady. It's fire. It, it dances and it flames and it goes up and it goes down. You're going into a territory. You need to be solidly connected to God. And how do you do that? By remembering that you're also my sister. That you, body, have the connection to Hashem just like I do because I am a sister to Hashem. I'm a sibling because I'm in a Shema. Body, you can also tap into that. And when you can tap into that place, you're not going to get lost. You're going to go into the deepest places. It's going to be hard. It's going to be challenging. But you're going to come out enriched. And because of that, we're all going to be enriched. Not that Avram was looking for the money, but the, the neshama is saying we're going to affect the world in a way that the neshama also benefits. And then after 120 years, well, in Avram's case, it's going to be 175 years, but when we go back, Lamaila, the neshama will have been enriched from this encounter. And that's really what's going on. The other thing that happens that the, that the fortune talk about is that this Avram and Sarah going in is a forerunner to the Jewish people going into exile. And just like Sarah is going to be taken into the palace and nothing's going to happen to her, the angels are going to protect her, the Jewish women are going to be able to go into, the Jewish people, but the Jewish women specifically, are going to go into Egypt. They will not be molested by the Egyptians, um, by their taskmasters. And when they leave, they will leave with incredible wealth. And we know that Hasidus talks about that the wealth that they leave Egypt with is A, yes, physical wealth, but more than that, and more important for the Jewish people, is they're going to leave with sparks of holiness, of things that they've elevated in the time that they were there. And that's really, they're getting that cough from Sarah and Abbas. Sarai and Avram in this time when they are at this place going into this, they're sort of laying down the groundwork for what's going to be the game plan for when the Jewish people go themselves. So it's both a personal conversation for us with our body and soul, understanding that yes, Neshama and Guf are in fact like a husband and wife, but there's also a place where like siblings that we should go into wherever it is that we go in to make a, to make you know the world a home for God and to understand that. We do it with passion and we do it with steadfastness and that's how we're actually able to make a difference in the world. And also the Jewish people are going to be able to go into Egypt. It's going to be long and it's going to be hard and it's going to be terrible, but they're going to come out okay at the other end. Okay? Um, ha, I love it. We have 10 minutes before I have to leave and we didn't even get to the Rishon. I do have a question yes. Though, um, yes. about the work that came 
what is the significance? Because I was reading that and I felt my brain go. Okay, so the next, okay, so what's going to happen? First of all, they're going, the first thing, we're going to, they're going to go back up, right? Egypt is underneath. They're going to come back up to the land of Canaan. Um, we're going to have, before we have the, before we have, before we have the war with the kings, we're going to have Avram and Lot separating. Okay. Is Lot is in the Sodom and Gomorrah? Yes, yes. This is going to be Lot. He's Avram's nephew. And there's going to be a fight where they both have Lot. Well, it's not a fight fight. There's a place where they both have, um, they both have a lot of cattle. And the, there's a fight going on between the shepherds. And essentially what happens is, is that the shepherds of, of Avraham only graze their sheep. Graze their sheep? Yeah. Um, in, in public areas. And, the, and the, the, the shepherds of Lot are like, whatever, Avram's gonna was promised this whole land and he has no children, so it's gonna be Lot's and we're gonna go wherever we want. And it started a lot of tension, a lot of friction, and Avram's fighting like, let's split, you make the first choice, wherever you wanna go, go, and wherever you don't wanna go, I'll go in the other direction. And so Lot picks, he looks around, and he, peek, he picks his beautiful, fertile place, and even then, without WhatsApp, without you know instant messaging, Everybody knew it was a very, very moral place. Okay, so he's going to move off to Sodom and Gomorrah before it gets destroyed. Okay, so he's going to go over there in that direction. And then we have this conversation about these, and Avram settles someplace else, and then Hashem says to him that it's, you know, this whole land, he reiterates the promise of the land. He's like, doesn't help me, I have no kids. And that's when Hashem takes him, uh, that's when Hashem takes him up. and he says over here that in chapter 13, verse 16, I'm going to make your children like the dust of the land as that much that you can't, um, you can't count them. That's how many your children are going, to ha- are going to have. And he says, Come, stand up, walk through the land, the length and the breadth, the breadth of it. This is going to be lots of choruses in Israeli uh, youth movement songs. Walk the land, be part of the land. And he goes and he... And he um, and he and he and he, uh, he he and he and he stays near Hebron. Now, chapter fourteen is where we have this long, complicated story of the kings, the four kings and the five kings. The four kings were paying tribute to the five kings, and then the the mm, I think so. No, the five kings were ruling the four kings, and then the four kings rebelled. And then the whole long. First of all, it's the first war story that we have recorded. Um, the I don't know enough. And I don't want to spend enough time on what's the point of it. Yeah. Um, the, the part of the conversation, and, and it's, it's really not the full conversation, because the full conversation has to deal with the actual text and what's going on over here, is that if, the question is, as it affects Avram, because our whole story here really is going to be Avram. And, and, but the bigger question of what is the story of the four kings and the five kings, the answer to the question is I don't, I don't, understand, the, I don't understand the conversation. I don't understand... They're, they're paying tribute for 12 years and they're fighting for 13 years. Uh, it's like a long thing, situation going on over there. Um, what, what one of these that's very important over here is that one of the kings that are involved in this war is Nimrod. Nimrod is one of the kings. He has another name here. Uh, but Rashi says that he is, uh, he is Nimrod. So that we are going to have like a replaying in text of stories that we had in oral tradition. We're going to have a fight. We're going to have a showdown again between Nimrod and Avram. Um, so there's that part of that is going on. Again, it's, it's definitely one of those parts in true confessions where my eyes gloss over and I'm like, 
okay, let's go to the next part. <laughs> I'm clearly, I get, that's the nice thing about being a partial teacher. You get to pick the things you want to focus on and pick the things that are, you don't really get, okay? What happens at the end? What happens at the end? Because Sodom is part of this fertile place that they're fighting over. Um, Lot gets captured, and Avram's told about that, okay? And it happens over here. They take them, okay? So chapter 14, verse 13. Somebody comes and tells Avram that Lot is captured, okay? And Avram hears, ki nishba achiv, that his brother was captured. He gathers his people, and he goes, and he's, he goes to save him. I want to say something, okay? We know, right, Amber, you picked it up right away. Lot picked a really not nice neighborhood to go to. He picked a place that at that point was already known. You're like, Sodom and Gomorrah? Yes, Sodom and Gomorrah. He's going to a place that's known for not being a moral place, for not being a good, holy, wonderful place. He's coming from Avraham. He's lived with Avraham for a chunk of time. And when he said, Avraham's like, go wherever you want. Where, is it? Where does he go? He goes to Sodom and Gomorrah. Okay? And yet, and yet, when he gets captured, Avram doesn't say, well, you know, that's what happens when you go hang out with lousy people, you know. Stuff happens. Avram sees his brother was captured, and he responds in kind. Okay? And I think that for us it's a very, very, very important lesson that, like we, the Jewish people, we need to get that we are family. We get to be dysfunctional. We get to not get along with everybody. We get to, like, not like everybody. But we are family, and when our family is in trouble, we really need to know that we need to come, we need to stand up for family. Uh, we don't have to love them all the time. We don't have to approve the choices that they're making. You think Avram thought, you know, Lot made great choices? And remember, he's going to go back to Sodom after this, right? Lot isn't coming back and saying, oh, that was a really bad call. I'm going to come back and hang out with you, Avram. No, he's going to go back to Sodom. The next Parsha, we know the whole story of Sodom and Gomorrah. So, like, it's not like he's changing his behavior because of Avram's involvement, and yet, how does Avram react? He says, it's my brother, and I'm going to step up to the plate, I'm going to go and I'm going to save him. Okay? I have oh. a question, but it might yes. be a next week question. Okay. If it's about Sodom and Gomorrah, it's next week. Can I ask a mini question? Let me just, is your question? It's a question about why not went there. Uh, why Shall did he I go hold there? Let's hold it for next week, but write it down so you so remember. Is this the first time he says, like, the Avram Ivri? Is it the first time that... He's called Ivri a few times in this Parsha. It's, and it's not the first time he's called the Hebrew. Uh, I think it's one time earlier, but I don't remember, so I would not quote myself. Um, I don't remember. I, huh? He's definitely called Avram Ivri more than once. And definitely, and Rashi says that he's every because everybody agree, believes in one thing and he believes he's on the other side. He's on the other side of the fence. Like, mm-hmm. he's not agreeing it. It doesn't matter where he, what he is. Um, yes? So I learned about the, the, the four kings about Nimrod. So Avram didn't want to make a pact with Nimrod. Nimrod came to Avram because he wanted, he wanted to get some benefit and he wanted to make a pact with him. Avram said no. And that's why, and Avram said, I'm not, gonna, I'm not even going to give you so much as a threat. And that's why that was with the king of that was the king of Sodom. Oh, okay. That was with the king of Sodom afterwards. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He actually says he says I don't want to get anything from you. Um, over here he says um, uh, in chapter fourteen, Pasuk Gimel, after he 
after the war is over and the king of Saddam takes his people back and da-da-da-da, in the line of, I shouldn't raise questions I don't have answers to, but I'm going to raise a question that I don't have an answer to. Um, um, so Avram, Avram wins. He wins his whole thing. He saves the people, right? So the fifth Aliyah says, starts, it's chapter 14, verse 21, 22, whatever. Right? So the king of Saddam says to Avram, take whatever you want. Right? You won, take, it, take whatever you want. Avram's whole objective in life was to teach people about monotheism. Why did he not take the people? Why did he not? Why did he say to the king of Saddam, the king of Saddam, I don't want to have anything from you. Take the people, keep everything. Like that's a question I don't have the answer to. Okay, but what he does say is that he's, what he does say is that um, I will not take michut v'atzrochnal. I will not take a thread or a shoelace from you because I don't want you to say that you had a chance to make uh, to make uh, to make Avram rich. Um, he says, just the people who work with me, whatever they want to take, they can take, whoever fought with him, he doesn't take any, he doesn't take any. And, and, and the and first man actually tells us that because he used the expression from a string to a shoelace, we actually got two different mitzvahs. We get the mitzvah of tzitzis, and we also get the mitzvah of, of, uh, of um, if, a, if a man dies and doesn't have children, so there's a mitzvah of yibum, that the, the, if a man dies, if a man is married, he dies and he doesn't have any children, and he has a brother, his wife, there's a biblical commandment for his brother to marry his wife and have children that would be the first brother's children. We don't do it anymore. There's, but there's, so the other process is to untie, it's called chalitza, it's to untie the relationship, and that's what the, the shoelace is symbolized with. Yes? Uh, well, I'm looking at the table, like the Avram's family table. I only know about Hagar. I don't know about Keturah. We're going to get to her next week. We don't, get her, we don't have this week, we have her next week. Okay, oh. guess what? I actually have to leave. We didn't finish. We didn't, not only did we not finish this Parsha, we didn't get any place in this Parsha. The, a couple of things that are good, quick things that are happening over here. Um, we have the, we, where he's going to, he's, there's going to be a covenant that Hashem's going to make with Avram about the covenant between the pieces. Um, Is that the big one, the famous covenant? It's a covenant, of, yeah. It's the covenant where Hashem, where Avram says, my children will go into exile for 400 years. And in exchange, you will give us, you know, land of Israel and be your nation and all that kind of situation. Um, and, um, and it says that the fourth generation will come back. So that's what's going on over there. Then we have the story of Sarai and Hagar, okay, where one of the things that they came back from Egypt with was Hagar, who was the daughter of Pharaoh, who said, I'd rather be a maid servant in Avram's house than a princess in, in, in Pharaoh's house. Um, we have Sarai telling Hagar to telling Avram to take Hagar as a handmaid to, to be married, which, by the way, we're going to talk about, we're going to hopefully focus it on it a little bit next week, because it's going to happen again. Um, Hagar runs away uh, from Sarah because she starts to be very full of herself that she's, she got pregnant right away, and Sarah didn't get pregnant, and da, 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 and she's much greater than Sarah. But I want to just point out the fact that Hagar is able to have a child with Avram, which is going to happen at the end of this Parsha, um, is not only because she's fertile, but because she's spiritually on a very high level. Meaning, there's a play, it's not just a question of fertility, it's a question of, it's a question of spiritual compatibility, and Hagar, Sarah see, Sarai sees that Hagar is able to be that place in a specific context, which in the end, this time doesn't work out, later on she's gonna happen. Um, we'll talk about it more next because whatever. Um, uh, so we have now that she runs away. Malach, the angel tells her to go back. So Hugger 
is able to recognize angels, converse with angels, and not lose her mind. Okay, she goes back and she has a, she ends up having a child. They call him Yishmael. And then the next thing we're going to have is that Yishmael and Avram are going to have a, uh, they're going to have a bris. Hashem is going to tell him to circumcise himself. And Avram's going to get his name changed. And Sarah's going to get his name changed. Yeah. We finished the partial. I want to give us a bracha. I want to add something. I want to give us a bracha. First of all, this Shabbos, which is the 11th of Cheshvan, is the yard site of Rachel Imenu. Um, I do not suggest that anybody go to Kevin Rachel today or tomorrow or Shabbos <laughs> or Sunday. It's going to be very, very, very packed. But we are close enough that we are able to go and visit her. Uh, so that's one thing. I think that as we're, we're coming into this week where we're starting to walk with Avram every day, um, I want to give us a bracha that we tap into our own inner Avram, which is listening to our soul. And our soul, specifically Avram and Sarah, as they are together, as our soul and our body work together and um, to understand what a powerful dynamic that is and that we have the ability to make the choices that feed both body and soul. And when we make the right choices and the good choices, then we're bringing the world closer to a place of completion and and the soul's like, yes. Yes, this is great. And sometimes, and to forgive ourselves when it doesn't always work out exactly as we would have liked to have hoped we would react. Um, and to also tap in a little bit to Rachel Imenu and the place of dedication to her family, to her children, to, uh, to Am Yisrael, um, and to see that we have the ability to, to step into that place. We're going to be talking for the next bunch of weeks about the matriarchs and the patriarchs. And we're here, we get a chance to walk in their footsteps, not just walking around the street and buying iced coffee, we're also stepping into their place of stepping into their place of connection to Hashem in a really, really real way. Have an awesome rest of the week. Thank you. Thank you.